evidence and answers. Many people look to astrology for signs and meaning to their lives. Can astrologers foretell a person's future? Do the stars foretell of events to come? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In this episode of Evidence and Answers, Pat will be interviewing former astrologer Marsha Montenegro as she unveils the truth about astrology and how she found her true star. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of today. Well, what is astrology? Should Christians participate in astrology? What other aspects of the New Age should we be aware of? Today, to share her story with us is Marcia Montenegro. Marcia was a professional astrologer for eight years. She was an active member of the Atlanta Board of Astrology Examiners and the Metropolitan Atlanta Astrological Society. Marcia even taught astrology for over five years and wrote for several astrological and New Age publications. Some were even translated into different European languages. She conducted workshops and did public speaking and did a weekly spot for a Psychics Cable TV show and was interviewed by USA Today and other news networks. Marcia eventually gave her life to Christ and now leads a ministry called Cana, Christian Answers for the New Age. And she is a missionary with Fellowship International Missions. She has written a book, Spellbound, The Paranormal Seduction of Today's Kids. And so with us today is Marcia to share her story. So Marcia, welcome to Evidence and Answers. Hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, first, as we begin, Marcia, tell us a little bit about astrology. What is astrology and what is involved in this art of astrology? Okay, yes. Astrology, first of all, is not astronomy. Astronomy is the scientific study of the stars, the planets, and outer space and deals with the study of of facts and different kinds of phenomena that are observed. Astrology believes that there is a meaning to the position of the planets and the sun and the moon and some other bodies in space and believes that this information is relevant to people's lives and to events on the earth. So there's a huge difference. Now, astrology does use some astronomical data in calculating the charts that are used for interpretation. So it will use the position of planets. Most astrologers know how long each planet takes to go around the sun and is aware of the cycles. And all of those things are factual. The astrologer also uses math to calculate the chart. So in many ways, uh, astrology seems to have some kind of science behind it. And many believe that it does. And they mistakenly think astrology, therefore, has validity. But the problem is, even even with the fact that it's using some of these scientific and mathematical data, astrology is still believing there is a meaning to each planet and each zodiac sign and the combination of them in the birth chart. So the astrologer, when doing a birth chart, the astrologer believes that the birth chart, which is calculated for the time and place of birth, is sort of a blueprint of your life. 
and why you're here, what your purpose in life is, relationship, parent, job issues, etc. And the astrologer looks at that and interprets it and give it, gives advice to the client. Astrology is also used sometimes for medical diagnoses, also for events. You can do a chart just for an event if you have the exact time of the event, like perhaps an earthquake or the collapse of you know, a skyscraper or something, something like that. If you have the timing for it, you can do a chart for it. And supposedly, then you can read the meaning into it. You can see what spiritual forces are at work and what perhaps the purpose or meaning of this particular event is. So it involves reading hidden meanings into ordinary things, which is actually called divination in the Bible. So astrology, biblically speaking, is a form of divination. That was kind of a long answer. <laughs> no, that's that's good. You know, astrology has been around for centuries. And, yes, for a uh, long time. Yeah. Do you know how long it's been around? I, I know it goes way back to Old Testament biblical oh, times. Oh, yeah. And in fact, astrology may be the oldest cult art in existence because it goes way, way back to Babylonian culture. Um, you know, that we see it in Daniel, the book of Daniel, uh, the Chaldeans, that term is often used for the Babylonians who were using astrology and other occult arts. And it went, goes way back to when the, the rulers had these advisors. Astrology was initially just for kings and rulers, and the king had his wise men who would study the, the stars in the sky, and they noticed that some of these stars moved fairly quickly in a regular fashion. And of course, these were planets, but they didn't have the concept of planets then. They didn't know what a planet was. They just saw it as a star that moved faster than other stars. And so they noticed patterns and they correlated them with events. And that's more or less how most people think it got started. And so these these advisors would give the king advice. You know, they would see the planet Mars may be in a particular place. And Mars is associated, of course, with war and aggression. And then they, and it wasn't called Mars then, that was a Latin name, but <laughs> so I'm being a little anachronistic. They had other names. There were earlier names for the planets before Greece and Rome took on astrology, but, and by Rome, I mean ancient Rome and ancient Greece. And they would say, well, it looks like, you know, your enemy is going to be attacking you. So this is, it was really a, a, a way to advise rulers and kings. When it got to Greece, probably from Arabian culture, the latter part of Greek culture began to decline. They started accepting ideas from foreign cultures, and one of them was astrology. And astrology became individualized in Greece, in ancient Greece. So uh, people with money would hire people who would read the astrological chart for their child to get idea about the child's future and character. And that's how it became individualized. And later, that was the main way it was used, although it was still used for rulers as well. But that was one of the main ways it was used. And eventually, you know, in, it was in Europe and then the United States, of course. Other forms of astrology, like Chinese astrology, which has a completely different history and is a completely different system 
from Western astrology. It's it's totally different, and it's based on different understandings of the stars and the so-called zodiac signs. They have their own signs that are different. Also, Native American astrology is different as well from Western astrology. It's completely different. They have different signs and different ways of interpreting it, and the system is just completely different. So Western astrology actually is closer to the astrology in India, although there are major differences. It's closer to astrology in India than China or Native American astrology. Yes, you know, and we see astrology mentioned prominently, as you mentioned, in the book of Daniel. In fact, Daniel had to learn astrology of the Babylonians. And when King Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar were seeking interpretations of their dreams, it says they called their astrologers to help interpret their dreams. And many feel that the wise men that came to worship Christ that Bethlehem. Many feel they were Persian astrologers as well. So we see them uh, in the Bible. As you mentioned, it's an ancient, ancient art that goes goes back to centuries. People thought that the gods were communicating to them through the stars. Right. They did think that. I do think that Daniel possibly had to learn it, but I don't think he used it. I think he knew about it. God gave him wisdom, and of course, interpreting a dream is not astrology, but the wise men also interpreted dreams. That was another thing they did. They were sort of all-round advisors. You know, they knew astrology. They knew what at that time, I guess, would be considered medicine or the healing arts, possibly dream interpretation, and probably some other esoteric things along those lines. And of course, They were unable to interpret the king's dream, and Daniel was given wisdom from God and and was able to do it. So I think maybe he learned it because he was there, and they took him through the process of acquainting him with all of their beliefs and ideas. I don't think Daniel ever used it. Well, he never needed it, Mm -hmm. and astrology is a false system anyway. It's not going to give you—it'll give you little pieces of truth, but it won't really give you truth, and it'll give you— enough false beliefs to lead you away from God. And as far as the Magi go, I've actually done whole radio shows just on that. (laughs) But yes, the Magi were very likely Persian astrologers, Persian wise men. And, you know, there's different views of the Star of Bethlehem. I personally think it was supernatural. And I think it was the Shekinah glory of God that rested over the dwelling place of Jesus. So that's my own particular view. I don't think it was an astrological configuration because I don't think it was natural because it led them. It led them first actually to Herod and then it led them to the dwelling place of Jesus. So an astrological configuration can't do that. And it also was leading them. They were going from east to west and they were talking about the star rising, but they weren't going from west to east. So that's another reason some people think it was not a natural thing. But that's kind of another topic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Well, why are people attracted to astrology? Well, I think one of the main reasons is that people are naturally interested in themselves. You know, people love to take personality tests. They love to take all those little, there's all these all little online quizzes, you know, your favorite color will show 
you know, whether you're this type of person or this type of person, (laughs) you know, and people take these tests because we like to know about ourselves. We're basically very, very self-oriented. And astrology really feeds into that. And then I think there's the lore of the fact that astrology is this sort of mystical art or science, as some people say it. And it has all these symbols, you know, there's the symbols for the zodiac signs and and there's symbols for the planets and the astrologer is, is interpreting them. And so people think there's some kind of knowledge here that I should know about myself. There's a way to knowledge. And so there's kind of this lure for this hidden knowledge. And then it's about you, which is the, you know, the main, I think, attraction. You know, the Church of Scientology, which is a cult, uses personality tests to lure people. That's one of the ways they get you in. They they offer these uh, quote-unquote free personality tests, and then you have a session with them, and then they kind of gradually get you. They suggest more counseling. They tell you all these things to get you to come back. But they use a personality test or sometimes a marriage, a test for your marriage. So this is a way to get people interested in something. And once you you know, start reading your horoscope and you think it's it's accurate or you go to an astrologer and the astrologer says things that seem very true, you want to go back. So you go back, you know, or you start getting more and more interested in it. So it has, it's a way of drawing you in. And then a lot of people just continue to get more involved or get more interested as, you know, as they start to get information. It feeds that desire. I see. Yes. Now let's talk a little bit about your journey. What triggered your interest into the world of astrology? Yeah. You know, I was interested in astrology in high school, but I don't, I don't remember why. I just, you know, I knew my zodiac sign and it seemed to fit me. I knew the zodiac sign of my parents and my sister, and I used to kind of analyze them and their behavior based on that. And it seemed very accurate to me in most cases. And I think I, I wanted to know more and I didn't know very much about it in high school at all. You know, I just, I just knew a little tiny bit, but the interest stayed with me. And in college, I didn't have time to do a lot of reading on it, but I read some more and I would know the signs of all my friends. And sometimes they'd even ask me for advice and I couldn't do charts or anything. So I was basing this all on their first sign and which actually astrologers actually say that's not very accurate. You need the whole chart. But I was doing that and I, and people would ask me questions and I would tell them what I thought. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed sort of having this secret knowledge and or what seemed to be kind of a secret knowledge. And it seemed to be a way of understanding people. I always had been somebody who liked to analyze people. And I also had interest in college and other areas. I got interested in Eastern religions and at first Hinduism. And I was very interested in the supernatural, like psychic powers, which I also had an interest in in high school. I was interested in that. My mother actually took a course on ESP. (laughs) She was very intrigued by it and she was telling me about it and I had had family members share things with me before that made me interested in that. And so that was another parallel interest to astrology. So 
there were several areas that were pulling me in that direction. And when I got out of college, I had more time to read. I became very interested because of an experience where I thought a dead person appeared to me. I became very interested in communication with the dead. And actually, before I got seriously into astrology, I spent several years reading books about communication with the dead and reincarnation, which was another big interest of mine. And I read a book by Ian Stevenson, a psychologist at Harvard, who started taking patients back to times before they were born, and they supposedly remembered previous lives. And he wrote a book, he wrote a book on this that was very famous. I think it was 20 cases suggestive of reincarnation. And since it was coming from this Harvard psychologist, it had a lot of credibility. And there was another book called Life Before Life by, by a man named Moody that was very popular, more of a new age book, but it was really a bestseller. So all of that intrigued me. I began to believe in reincarnation. I certainly had believed astrology was true for a number of years. I was beginning to read books on Hindu beliefs and started adopting those ideas and applying them to my worldview. And it just, you know, it was kind of this gradual, it was not an overnight thing. It was this gradual thing over several years. Yes. Now, you stated that you attended church as a youngster, but why were you not attracted to Christ and more to astrology and these other arts? Yes, I did go to different churches. My father was a diplomat with the U.S. Foreign Service, so we lived overseas most of my childhood, and the kind of churches we went to were, I don't know, I'm not even sure what they were. One of them was an Army Protestant service. It was sort of generic, and I actually don't remember anything in those churches except singing some songs. I don't don't remember anything of the teaching at all. When we came back to the United States, I got involved with a church and I did, I went to Sunday school and I went to the youth group and I did start, you know, I don't know if you could say I was really learning because I, I feel like what we mainly did was like read these Bible stories and like Jesus healing somebody or something like that. To me, they were just stories. I believe Jesus was real and he was special, but I didn't really understand who he was. And I heard the message about Jesus on the cross, and I can recall sermons where the pastor said, you will go to hell if you don't, people who don't believe in Jesus will go to hell. I mean, he wasn't a fundamentalist or anything, but he he was saying that. And I just, I don't know, I guess I didn't believe it. I just didn't believe it. I didn't, I didn't see the Bible as relevant, and I felt like there wasn't really anything in it for me and for today. You know, I thought of it as this kind of old, this old book with these stories about Jesus and that some people really believed this. And I just, I don't know, it just, it just didn't, I, I didn't understand the gospel for one thing. I didn't understand when I heard Jesus died for you. I always thought, well, why? Why did Jesus die for me? I didn't ask him to die for me. You know, I did not, I don't think I had the concept of sin. I maybe could have defined it, but I didn't really understand it. And I had friends in high school as well who were not Christians and who were very involved in their religions. One was a Mormon and one was a Baha'i. One was a Quaker who was very, her whole thing was nonviolence and pacifism. And another one was just a free thinker. And I just really felt like 
I wanted to explore on my own and decide for myself what I wanted to believe in. The Jesus option just wasn't appealing to me. I just saw it as this very conventional, I saw Christianity as this very conventional, boring religion, (laughs) you know, where you got dressed up and you went to church and, you know, you sat there and you listened to a sermon and you sang a few songs and then that was it, you know, and I, I, it was just very boring to me. I didn't see any point in it. So that was my view. Yes, you're listening to our interview with Marcia Montenegro, former New Age astrologer, is sharing with us her story of how she went from astrology to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Marcia, that was kind of similar to my experience. I went to an Episcopal high school and the Bible just seemed like a bunch of fairy tales to us and nobody took it seriously. And even the priest, I don't think he really believed those stories either. So I I, I was kind of like that, but it seems like you were looking for more of a esoteric encounter and you were curious about the spiritual realm and the paranormal. That that seems to have pulled your attraction and Christianity didn't seem to present uh, anything really relevant or exciting like these areas seem to present to you. Yes, very true. I mean, Satan is very, very flashy. He's good at making things look glittering and exciting. And and that definitely was true for me. You know, it was the flashiness and the, the mystical appeal of all this. It was so much more intriguing than what I would experience on Sunday morning in Sunday school and in the service, you know, which just seemed so blah to me. And I just rejected it. You know, I decided in high school that I was going to explore when I, once I got away from home and got to college, I was going to explore other, other spiritual paths. And that's what I did. Now, I think that's part of the danger in many of these movies and cartoons and TV shows that are out Mm -hmm. there that make the occult arts, you know, astrology, magic, witchcraft, and others very attractive and, you know, almost sexy. That uh, yeah. it, that doesn't mean all young people end up in witchcraft or whatever, but it does get them curious. And for some, it can lead to deeper, more serious things. Exactly. And, and there's a lot of that in the media for children, even more so now than when I, I wrote my book, Spellbound, which came out in 2006. It's about the occult, what the occult is, biblically speaking, and how it's marketed mainly to children and young people. And I'm seeing even more of it now. I mean, you know, there's this video on YouTube related to this series of this princess series. And this girl, young princess, has a spirit, an animal spirit guide. And you can even buy a figure of her holding the little animal, which looks like a fox. It's her spirit guide. They're very upfront about it. They have a song about my spirit guide. Here's how, you know. Here's your spirit guide. It's a very catchy tune. And I mean, spirit guides are very big in the new age and the occult. I mean, I had spirit guides and all my friends talk. We would talk about our spirit guides. It was just assumed you would have spirit guides. And of course, spirit guides are are fallen angels. And here they have a a thing for children where they're (laughs) singing a song. (laughs) And I mean, it it was pretty, uh, I, I posted on this Facebook, people were pretty shocked. But it was, but I think that that just shows the culture has gotten even more extreme with this and has 
embraced it. You know, they've they've accepted it more and more. The idea, the concept doesn't seem to shock people and they don't think that it's evil anymore because it appears to be good. And if you have it in a cartoon, Selena of Avalar, that's character. And if it's in a cartoon for children and they're singing these happy, upbeat songs, then how can it be evil? Yes. You know, tell us about your encounter with the spirit guide. I mean, what exactly is a spirit guide and how do people attain a spirit guide? It sounds very attractive and and cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When I first heard about them, I thought it was that way. I I was in a psychic development class and the teacher said, you know, I'm going to go around and tell you if I can see your spirit guide or guides, I'll tell you who the guide is or guides are. run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with your friends. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Evidence and Answers.